Hey Camp Kids! Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to share some exciting news with you. Our website is now live and I invite you to go check it out in the show notes. Here I've posted the mission of the podcast, a little bio about me, your host, and how you can donate to the project. All donations will receive a shout out on the podcast, accompanied with a personalized thank you note and an announcement of what supplies were purchased with your donation. No donation is too small. And right now I've got a big project going to try and get some supplies that will help the clarity of this podcast. So if that's something that you're interested in, please visit the website in the show notes with details on how you can donate to the project. I've already received an incredible amount of interest in this podcast already, and this project is ready to move on to the next steps by keep bringing this camp community together. Once again, thank you guys so, so much for listening and your support of the podcast. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, Camp Kids. Welcome back to the Camp Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Bob, and I'm on a mission to bring together a community of camp people from around the world. Whether you are currently in your camp career or it's been a while since you've been at camp, when you're with us, you're at home. Today, we are meeting Michael, who shares his experiences directing a death and bereavement camp at Camp Courage. Michael shares his own personal story and has worked and volunteered to give back to kids through Annie's Hope. I met Michael at an after-school meeting and was so delighted to meet a fellow educator that was also a camp kid. So without further ado, let's meet Michael. Hi, Michael. Hey, Kelsey. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Pretty well. Welcome. Um, This is the Camp Kids Podcast, and I'm so glad that you're here because I am wanting to bring in more people that have been a part of the camp community And you bring such a unique perspective. So I would like to hear from you all about your camp experience. I'll describe the camp a little bit first and then go into my experience. The camp is called Camp Courage. It is based out of St. Louis, Missouri. It is run by Annie's Hope's Center for Grief and Bereavement. So it is a nonprofit organization that works um, with mostly children and teens Um, But those who are going through the grief process to provide support in the greater St. Louis area. Um, They originally started camp with the Moyer Foundation as a backer. So the Moyer Foundation is a organization run and sponsored in part by Major League Baseball that has a grief counseling camp or event in each city with a Major League Baseball team. So the St. Louis Cardinals are a great partner with it, and that's how camp kind of started Ishi, um, partnered with the Moyer Foundation. In St. Louis, the Center for Grief and Bereavement, Annie's Hope, just got big and influential, and they could do things a little bit better independently. So no longer are part of that Major League Baseball organization, just because they can have a little bit more influence and more control over a camp. Um, and they have been running it for, I want to say at least 20 years, if not longer. I have been working with them for the past 10 to 12 years. I started when I was in college as a counselor. And after about three or four years being a counselor, moved to like an assistant director role. I've been working with the great group of assistant directors who run it. Uh, we do it for two weeks over the summer. Week one is ages six to 12 that we have for a week. 
week two is ages 13 to 18 that we have out there for a week. And everyone at camp who comes has either a parent, sibling, guardian, really close loved one who they are grieving the loss of, grieving the death of, everything that you can think of as a normal summer camp. And 30% is that kind of grief and bereavement, whether it be whole camp activities or individual activities with your cabin, just to help kind of process, give them that kind of outlet to be able to express themselves in that way in a safe environment with other people who have not a, not the same background, but a very similar one who can empathize with them and connect with a little bit more. Um, and each summer we have, I don't know, roughly 200-ish, if not a couple more than that, uh, people come through camp and it is just absolutely wonderful. It sounds like you really do amazing work. I remember when you were talking about it and I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know something like this existed. Mm -hmm. So that's so wonderful to hear that you're working for such a strong nonprofit organization. You said that you've been doing this for about 10 to 12 years now. So was your first time ever doing a camp like this as an adult or did you have any experiences as a kid as well? So my first time working with it was as an adult. My background coming into it is when I was in high school, my father died unexpectedly and had a heart attack. I was older when I was kind of going through that grieving process. And I actually got started with it, see an advertisement from like a billboard or a friend of a friend. And I actually started and volunteered two years at Kansas City's camp. Kansas City does more of like a weekend retreat with them. And then when I was in college, I was able to do both the Kansas City one and the St. Louis one one summer. And St. Louis, just because they have that Annie's Hope Center for Grief and Bereavement, can just do everything bigger. When you have a nonprofit organization backing it and having a full-time staff member help run retreats like this, they can just go big. So Kansas City's is awesome. Kansas City's is run by the Kansas City Hospice Program, and it is a wonderful weekend retreat, but it's a little bit different when you're doing a weekend retreat rather than two full weeks. Just the number of kids you can have, the amount that you can do. So I kind of got sucked in. Um, I really enjoyed my experience with the St. Louis one, so I've been doing it ever since then. You said about 70% of your programming is like all fun camp-related stuff, and that mm -hmm. your programs run for two weeks. What does the outdoor programming kind of look like on your end? Do you have your staff facilitate that or is that also kind of hired in? We've been really grateful that we've had since I've been working as more of like the director role an assistant director role wonderful campgrounds around the St. Louis area who have been able to partner with us. So I would say that the kitchen staff is usually provided by the campgrounds. We obviously pay for all the food, pay for everything to come in, but they are able to supply the kitchen staff that does all three meals a day for us and our campers, which is fantastic. Anything that is more like liable, so like lifeguards and people doing the like archery and stuff like that. Things that are just a little bit more like you need a little more supervision, a little bit more knowledge of that specific thing at the campground. We have the wonderful camp staff who work there, partner with us for it. So I would say on a typical day, a camper would see the lifeguard who's part of the camp staff two to three kitchen staff that the camp helps provide, and then maybe one other additional activity, whether that be a lifeguard at the pond for canoeing or something along those lines. But then the rest of the staff is volunteer-based that we usually get out of undergraduate programs or graduate programs and social work, teaching, nursing, everything like that, who have that kind of availability in the summer for that week or two and do it that way. But we've had wonderful campgrounds and camp staff that have been a pleasure to partner with 
that really make our job of camp coordinating easy just because having all the food stuff that we don't need to worry about it too much that we know that camp is going to help us staff and provide makes it so easy for us. Well, that sounds wonderful because it sounds like your volunteers just show up and all they're really worried about is making sure that the kids are having a great time. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Since you guys are camp, I'm curious, do you guys have any camp traditions? Do you use camp names? Do you sing camp songs? Do you incorporate that kind of programming as well? Oh, 100%. So camp is either divided into Camp Courage is the kids that are 6 to 12 and Camp Courage teens is 13 to 18. Think of summer camp for brownies that you have. That is their first introduction to summer camp, but a week long of just being a complete fool of yourself and a mess with the goofiness of songs, the goofiness of naming your cabin and bringing your flag around camp wherever you go and having your cheer for your cabin when everyone gets ready to go to another activity. It is all that on full display. So as far as those individual cabin stuff and songs and everything, 100% have those. Traditions at camp, I would say there are some that fall on the grief and bereavement side and some that fall on the camp experience side. So grief and bereavement traditions, first one that campers are exposed to, usually it's one of the first nights at camp, is a camp-wide luminary. Some campers might come up multiple times if there's multiple people, but there is a kind of field of candles on like a stage area that all the campers have that chance to kind of center in on what connects them to camp, why back to their cabin areas, we line the trails that they walk with with luminary bags, lit bags with the names of everyone's individuals who have died. So campers can stop, take a moment at the bag, support one another's on the way back. And then afterwards we do like campwide kind of some more treat at the end. But that's kind of like the tone setter for camp, that we're here to have fun, we're here to support each other, but kind of establish what connects us. And that has been a lovely tradition for us for the past couple of years. The other thing that is more of a campwide tradition, things that happen every year regardless, is when parents come, parents, guardians, or whoever's picking up the child from camp, we do a camp slideshow that every single camper is featured at least twice in pictures. And our wonderful team of assistant directors, two of them in particular, kind of usually take on the role of coordinating that, making sure they get pictures of all the kids. Um, to really kind of showcase being that memorable week to those outside of camp, particularly parents, loved ones, anyone else who's coming to pick up the camper. And then it also ends with a group activity, like a mini group support circle that the parents do as well with the campers. So your parents and guardians with the campers who have been to camp all week participate in a closing activity. And we change it year to year. Some years it's charging stones. Some years it is doing an activity where like we did like a dove release one year, but it's that parents can get a glimpse into what it looks like to be at camp. And that has been a wonderful tradition. So that kind of sparks the conversation on the ride home with the kids to explore what else they did at camp because the parents kind of got a little taste of it. Um, and it's, that's beautiful as well. The kids also sing some of their camp songs they learn throughout the week. Some that are more heartfelt, like there's a camp song for Camp Courage that talks about supporting each other and going through your journey of grief that the kids all learn. And then as well as their wacky ones where they act like Cheetah and sing a Tarzan song or showcase all the dances that they learn at camp to the people who come up for the 
the last kind of closing activity. So that's kind of more on the goofy side of it. Big ones that we've kind of carried on year to year is on one of the penultimate nights, usually a big talent show where either counselors or the kids get to kind of showcase a skill or a talent, funny skits and games that the kids really enjoy doing. Midweek is Wacky Olympics, which is the mud pit, playing in slime, doing like balloon catches with millet and honey in them, and just every messy, completely gross activity you could possibly imagine. But the kids absolutely adore it because they never get to do something like that at home. You'll never get to kind of roll around and play Scrabble in a pool of mashed potatoes, millet, and some sort of like jello that they had to find Scrabble pieces and play Scrabble or play Twister on like chocolate sauce and maraschino cherries and like just the most random wacky games that the kids absolutely have a ball with. Oh, wow. So I am very curious. Um, do you guys use camp names at all or do you use your first names? So typically we use first names for almost everybody. There's a couple exceptions to the rule, particularly for us, it is camp staff a lot of the times. So let's say the campground we're going with uses camp names. We will abide by those camp names throughout the week. But because of the nature of a lot of the conversations that we have with the kids and the kids have with each other, we want to make it as personal and real as possible. There have been years that we've tried different versions of camp names and it just hits differently when I'm crying about my dead dad and I say, hey, Biscuit, can I have your help? Versus, hey, Benjamin or hey, whatever. So we really try to make it as kind of authentic as possible when it comes to campers getting to know each other and the counselors there as well as directors. So doing it first names. One of the big things that we have, though, is since we do have the Center for Grief and Bereavement um, that helps run camp with Annie's Hope, the campers still have an opportunity to stay in contact with one another or with some of the volunteers through the center. We obviously do not let campers exchange contact information with any of the counselors, but it's nice that if they're like, hey, I really made a connection with this person, there's a good chance they can see them again through Annie's Hope Center for Grief and Bereavement through one of their many other activities. I know we go to a baseball game at the end of the summer with everyone. The St. Louis Cardinals usually do a good job of doing tickets. Some of the municipal auditorium for like the version of like Kansas City's Starlight Theater does a couple ticket nights where families can meet up, family support groups, teen nights, teen retreats. Everyone can still see each other in those. So we make really hard rules on how you can connect with people, that this connection does not leave camp, particularly with any of the volunteers and kids, but that at camp we still do use the first names. Okay. What is your current position now and what keeps you coming back to your camp? Yeah. So right now I am an assistant director. You have a team of, I would say about seven assistant directors who kind of coordinate and run camp. Um, the director of camp is the founder of the Grief and Bereavement Center. But that founder, Becky, has done a really good job the past couple years of trying to really pass the reins off to some of their other staff. They kind of realize, hey, I've been doing this for a long time, but if I go, camp goes with me. So I actually wanted to make sure that doesn't happen. So kind of taking a back seat that I'm still the director in name as far as all the insurance stuff but kind of passing it off. And then there are three full-time staff at the Grief and Bereavement Center who are part of kind of assistant director team. 
and they do a lot of the coordinating pre-camp. And then myself and three or four others come during camp and kind of pick up everything and go from there. Each of us assistant directors, we know how to do everything. We kind of split the load equally, but we all kind of have our own niche at camp in that some of the assistant directors really do a lot with the arts and crafts stuff, setting it up, making sure they get all the items procured. Mine is more of big stage presence. So rallying the kids together before every meal, doing all the dances and songs and dismissal, being the one with the microphone on stage, coordinating the talent show, running around and doing kind of all the big goofy, in-your-face, big personality stuff. While we have other assistant directors who specialize more in all the documenting purposes, so taking photos of all the kids, making sure that if we do have any calls, um, coordinating to Child Protective Services during the week, that some of them have a little bit more background with that. Granted, we're all trained in all of it. We can all do it all. Um, but that's kind of like the roles we kind of pick up and run with during the week. So I'm part of that team of about seven, eight assistant directors, and we all just kind of fill in where we need to and make camp possible for it. That's awesome. So what keeps you coming back to camp year after year? There's kind of two parts to it. One is the people that I work with at camp, especially some of the assistant directors and some of the counselors who have been coming back year to year, but I've been doing it 10 years. So I've only known them 20 weeks out of my entire life. Okay. Maybe 22, 23 if it's some of the extra events, but they are some of the people that I know I am closest to. It's hard to imagine that there are some coworkers that I've had for five, 10 years that I see daily and this random person who I spend two weeks at summer camp with that I trust them more completely and know them, feel like I know them more than some of the people I see daily. Um, so those kind of relationships are a big part of it as far as being able to keep in touch with those people. Um, more so when it comes to the campers and the actual activity of an implementation of camp. For me at least, not having one of my parents and going through the death of a parent in high school. There is not a place outside of camp that you can be that vulnerable at that age. Um, if you're in a school setting, even if you have other kids experiencing it, you get pulled out, you go to a counselor. It's different. You're labeled as an exception. And to see during the week kids who are used to being that this makes them abnormal, this makes them the oddball out, be in a position where they can feel completely vulnerable with one another, that they can feel like they can express everything about them, positive or negative, and be in a safe environment. It's a place that doesn't exist elsewhere. You'd think that, hey, like there are certain classrooms in a school that this might take place or certain like youth groups or something, but it doesn't happen. Like there's something different about the environment of the camp setting when you get those hundred and some odd kids together all having that empathy for one another that just seeing the kids make those connections is so incredibly powerful and just to continue to be a part of that is just a gift that you can continue to kind of see those bonds i guess those are probably the two big things that just kind of set it apart and say why not do a different camp why not volunteer somewhere else those are probably two things that keep me coming back for that. And it sounds like your mission is so strong. I didn't even think about the fact that most of them do feel like an exception. And you probably felt like an exception as well. Going back to some of the people that you work with working at Camp Myself, it's like 
some of these people that I've only known for four weeks get me so much better than anybody else that I could have worked with for years. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know who are some of those people that you've worked with that have inspired you and what do they do to do that? We've had a wonderful, wonderful group of counselors and assistant directors over the years. So if I leave anybody off the list, I do not, it's not meant to be offensive. It's just who comes first to mind on the top of my head. One of them is, I guess, most of our camp directors either come from working full-time for the Grief and Bereavement Center, or a lot of us work in education, just because where else are you going to get two weeks off in the summer that easily to go and do it? But throughout the past couple of years, Colin has come back to camp and has been a director for well longer than I have, but he is someone who is important to make time. Um, so he has lived internationally multiple times, gone through his master's program, gone through different certifications at the time. And it's one of those that he's very inspirational because there is always time for things that are important, especially when it relates to doing camp every year, when it relates to interactions with campers and with volunteers. He is someone that if something is important, you will always make time for it. Something you can say, oh, this is important. Okay, I can let it slide for a year or not. And he is the type of personality who, if it is important, he will let you know and then make sure that you know that you are valued and important and give you the time for it, regardless of what's going on. If he has to fly from wherever he's living at overseas to come back, he does so. If he has to ask his professor, hey, I'm going to do two weeks online being able to be in class. He does it, and it is fantastic and amazing. I guess some of the staff members at Annie's Hope who have done things in the past, so Caitlin, Katie, Kylie, Nicole, and a couple others as well, their whole job is running the Center for Grief and Bereavement. That is their entire job. That's what they do. That's where they work, and they still come to camp. And they're still completely fresh and excited about it. And just being able to say like, hey, like this is nothing new for them. Like they do, they have family support groups and talk to people and go to hospice every day of work for them throughout the entire year. And they step foot in camp. They're able to just turn it on to another level as far as saying that this is something important. This is something that I'm going to kind of play up and make it special for all of the volunteers particularly because they do a lot of the paperwork and coordinating for all the volunteers that they are just absolute, like they just floor me. They do it as their job. It's not like when I come to camp and I see these people and it's fun and new, they see each other every day. They know all the baggage that went into going camp. They know all the begrudging stuff when they're having to negotiate contracts for campgrounds and they still turn it on and make sure that campers and other counselors are none the wiser to all the drama in the back that went through the brunt of planning they just blow you away as far as how they can do that and kind of put on the show for the kids and then one of the other counselors i guess alicia is a another assistant director as well alicia is very very good about making sure that us as directors keep in touch outside of camp. One of the other camp directors got married a couple years ago and we all went to the wedding together. Whether it be taking trips or anything like that, she's someone who's always gonna go just a little bit out of, out of their way to make that connection and make that kind of camp family run outside of the two weeks of camp. So I guess those are kind of the, some, some of the people, I know there are so many others as well, but some of the people that are just really kind of inspirational and kind of help camp go that you don't necessarily hear about what they're doing behind the scenes. 
Wow. It, it sounds like you have an incredible team. I totally am jealous. I mean, it sounds like you've got great people in your corner that help make this thing run beautifully year after year. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. My next question is, what is the most important lesson that you've learned from working at camp? I, I don't know if I mentioned this. Outside of camp, I am a high school teacher. I teach in the North Kansas City School District, teach English, and like a tech core class. And the most important thing at camp that I got when I was in college, and I was just a counselor, is you can't judge the effectiveness of any program, of a lesson that you teach, of an activity you do at work, of a week of summer camp, okay? You cannot judge the effectiveness during the activity or even right afterwards. So there are so many times at camp that we have campers who we think we kind of missed that during the activities during things they're the ones who don't want to participate as much are more reluctant to open up and it's just some of those campers who never really seem to fully get into it and enjoy camp that the week seems like it's a struggle or maybe it's a camper who has a really rough two days and maybe makes one bad choice that they break a camp rule that they need to get sent home so they might not even make it to the end of camp. And you think in that moment, man, I lost that kid. I didn't reach that kid. I didn't get there. And then three months later, we'll hear from a parent being like, oh my gosh, since they went to camp, they, they feel so much more comfortable talking about the person who died. They've opened up so much more at school to their counselor. They're much more, they, they're talking with their friends about it more openly or anything like that. And you'll think you're like that kid, the terror of camp, someone who was constantly with a director talking about a, maybe a poor choice being made or never shared a thing. But yet there's, it was a huge change and a huge positive experience, even though you don't see it in the moment. You might see the growth right then and there, but sometimes you might only see yourself planting the seed and you don't see the fruit that grows because of it because they're already out of your program. So if you're someone who has is a coach, is a teacher, is running a project for work, is doing a youth group or is in a summer camp, just because you don't see the impact you have in that week or in that two weeks or in that meeting, doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. And that some of that growth that you will never see unless you hear about it secondhand, but it still happens. So even if you have a kid who you're like, man, I'm not getting through to them, or you have a coworker or a partner or whoever it is that you're not getting through to them, it is worth it to keep trying and keep doing it because you have no idea what you're planting for them to reflect on later and grow because of it. And that's probably the biggest lesson that I've experienced from camp just because I get to see it year to year. I get to see people's younger siblings come in the future. And and sometimes we don't really get that opportunity, even in schools. Wow, I'm so glad you said that. Because as a fellow educator, I need to be reminded of that. You will always see the progress of what you're doing right then and there. So thank you for sharing that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Now, um, I am curious. You did mention that some of the camper siblings will come back later on, possibly. Do campers come back year after year, or do they only come for one time? So we have some campers who have come multiple times. Typically, I would say the majority of campers usually come once. Um, We do have a large group who might come two, three times is when it gets a little bit more rare. Um, 
but it does happen. I would say two times is kind of the, when we start to say, okay, like you're in a good place, let's make room for another camper. And a lot of it is that their grief is a continual journey. Grief is not something that you, you go through it and I'm done, I'm out the other side. It's a process that you're continually going through. So a lot of the times we'll have someone maybe at age six or age seven, and the, the, a six-year-old and a seven-year-old processes grief very differently than like an 11 or 12-year-old. So having those campers come back and kind of be at a different level of one, knowledge of what happened, different phases in life, different things that they're going through at the home that are still related to grief, whether it be roles and responsibilities. Um, we do have campers come multiple years, but it's not Usually we don't have campers like, oh, this is my seventh time at camp. Usually it's nothing like that. It's usually I've been once before, maybe twice before. One of the other big things that helps is when we do cabin assignments, it's usually really helpful to have one camper in that cabin who has been there before. So instead of it being the counselors and the directors constantly encouraging a new group of kids, hey, do this wacky song, do this wacky dance. We're going to do all these muddy games or here's the talent show that you have another camper vouching for it saying like, Hey guys, let's do this. This is really cool. Or Hey, let's get together. Oh, you're worried about this. No, I did this last year. It's super fun. Kind of having that peer to peer relationship and that thing you can think of it as community standards models, that peer to kind of help help encourage and help not that that appears knows what's going on but has an idea and has already bought into it really helps a lot of the other people kind of shake off that initial like this is kind of weird am I going to do it or not seeing another peer jump right in and do it it's like okay I know it's safe I know it's socially acceptable those kind of tone setters really helps the cabins too that's such a good idea having an experienced camper just already kind of constantly be with new campers. I'm sure a lot of people listening will be like, oh, that's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that before? <laughs> so thank you. An Olympic theme. We did a board game theme. We did a whole camp that was Wizard of Oz theme. I think the next one coming up, I know in two years, the theme is like space dinosaurs, like just <laughs> random off the wall things that the decorations all around camp, what we call everything throughout the week changes to match the theme. So I know the one year we did like a Western theme, we had instead of it being the the cafeteria, it was the saloon and the fields were a, a different name related to Western or our Toy Story year theme. They didn't have cabins, they had toy boxes and meeting center, meeting area in the field was the game room and stuff like that. So everything changes, everything is themed year to year. We change the games, change the activities slightly. So even if you are a returning camper, you don't get the same experience. It's something new. Wow. That's awesome. I haven't been to a facility that goes deep into a theme like that. So that's mm -hmm. wonderful. I am curious, are your campers allowed to bring technology or are you guys a technology-free camp? We are completely tech-free. So this is campers, I guess when they come, we have kind of in their first little cabin meeting, turn off your phones, put them away. We do not want you to have kind of that contact outside. If someone does need to, you can, I guess, let's say something does happen that you need to contact home for some reason. We have, you'd be on a call with one of the directors that we'd call home with you if you need to get an update on something or you need to call about something, but that's few and far in between. One, it helps with homesickness a lot, particularly with the little kids. 
not having that constant access to feeling like you're missing out on something or feeling homesick. And then with the teens, that kind of like, oh, I need to stay up with my friends. No, like this is a, a separate environment, fully invest with the people around you and having that no technology helps out a lot, particularly with counselors as well. Having counselors model that behavior is huge um, for us as well. That being said, there are some instances in which people are allowed to use technology. So a lot of our counselors that come in are in school, like they're either in a bachelor program or a master's program, and they might have a summer class. So if they meet on, let's say, Tuesday nights for their class, we'll make sure that we put an extra person with the kids. And we do have a space on camp that does have Wi-Fi so they can join their class virtually for that two hours or whatnot. And then maybe later in the week, take a three or four hour break to do some of the homework for the class. So we do have technology, the ability to use technology to support our counselors if needed, or in case something ridiculous happens that someone needs to get a hold of someone at camp. Yes, people can still call and one of us directors always has a phone on that we can answer to it, but otherwise it is completely technology free. In order to communicate, everyone has a walkie-talkie that is a counselor or director. So we're constantly on the walkie-talkies, where is so-and-so, what are we doing, here's what time we're meeting. So it's completely done on old school Motorola and Nokia walkie-talkies that you change three AA batteries every other day to get working. But it really sets the tone for camp that this is a place away from your normal day-to-day life. So you're not missing out on anything. You're not getting homesick on anything. We want you to fully invest with the people around you. So yeah, so there is no technology like that available, especially for campers. But for interested counselors, if you're like, oh, I'm in a summer class on a Tuesday night, I need to go to this one like virtual class or whatnot, we still make sure that we can support counselors in that way. Which is so wonderful to hear because I know that that keeps a lot of college-age kids, people that are doing work over the summer, away from volunteering or having an experience like this because they have that one commitment that one time a week. So that's wonderful that you guys are so accommodating for your volunteers and staff. It seems like you guys have a lot of fun at camp. What is your funniest camp story? Camp stories that we have, and I'm sure that you will relate to it too, when things are just an absolute hot mess and nothing is going how you want it to plan, that is when in the moment you are like, this is terrible. But looking back on it, you are like, oh my gosh, this was hilarious. And this is a great story. So one of the counselor ones that we have is, yeah, I guess the the director of camp will not love this one as much because we've hidden it from her for a little bit. When we have camp, we have a like a golf cart and a like a four-wheeler type gator that like the nursing staff uses when going to get, deliver meds or if we need a someone gets hurt or twists an ankle that we can shepherd them around camp. And they are the director's babies. The golf cart and the gator are the director's babies. Like that is nothing messes with them. Nothing goes wrong with them. And I remember one year we were setting up the mud pit and we started with the golf cart and the golf cart got stuck in the mud. We couldn't get it out. So we said, okay, we're going to get the gator, the little bit bigger one to pull the golf cart out. Well, then the gator got stuck. So all of us were running around and being like, we have our two vehicles that the nursing staff needs to use to get around with kids. And we got them both stuck in this mud pit. So we're running around. We sent one of us to distract the director so that she wouldn't find out that we got these things stuck. And then the rest of us were running around to try to figure out a way to get it out. So of course, we can, we find a way to get it out. We actually have one of the other camp directors, Nicole, brings her truck and pulls it out. 
So we get, we get all of them free. Great. We said, okay, we're not going to use those. We're going to have Nicole's truck finish getting all the mud churned up from the mud pit. And sure enough, the truck gets stuck. So we are now three vehicles down, covered in mud, just absolutely gone. And we needed to call one of the camp staff to tow this truck out of this hellacious mud pit that we created. But just that whole three-hour sequence of us all tagging out of one person going to distract the director so she doesn't know that we got her precious golf cart or gator stuck in the mud pit. Another director going to do everything with the kids and set up the next activity dismissed for lunch while the other two of us are setting up this wacky Olympic thing and just having each individual thing get stuck time after time was we all just roll on the floor laughing, thinking about that like three hour period when we messed it up. One of the funnier ones with a camper, I guess, is going to be we had a year where I had, I guess it was when I was a counselor, and we had some very daring campers. And that would, they, were, they were fun and energetic, and it was, what, 12 and 13, 12-year-old boys that I had in my cabin. And we were going through the week, and they were just high energy. We're going to always run from place to place, play a game, never stop, never go out. So we are walking around, and we do our little, like, head count game where everyone has to say they're part of the song or part of the riddle, to make sure everyone's there and we're missing a kid. Like we're counting and we're missing one. Okay, we do it again and we hear it. And then we start going off to the next event, next place. And I look back and we're still one short. Like, okay, like we heard everybody, like what's going on? And we look at, and somehow a camper had managed to get, to climb, not only climb up, but get stuck on the roof of one of the cabins. We we still have no idea how he got up there, but he was afraid to tell us because he'd get in trouble if he knew that we'd crawl it. So he was trying to figure out how to do it. So I just remember looking up and seeing this kid on the roof and losing my mind as far as like, how are we going to get this kid down? We got him down or whatnot, but that was also very humorous. During COVID, we actually hosted a virtual camp where we dropped off bags of camp supplies. So like a think of it like a little duffel bag with everything you would need for the week and the kids would log in for about four hours a day and we do all sorts of wacky things with their cabins with the whole camp or their like support circles for grief and bereavement activities all through zoom we had families who didn't have internet we found a way to get them internet and get ipads or tablets to their houses so kids could participate but some the shenanigans as far as recording camp songs and doing everything setting up virtual camp were absolutely hilarious as well. Wow. That's wonderful that you guys were still able to offer programming mm-hmm. even through COVID. That's beautiful that you're still able, you were still able to continue that. That's hilarious. Having a kid stuck on a roof. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. it's one of those real talent to get up there. Oh yeah. In the moment you are terrified. And it's one of those that it is not funny at all during the moment, but Two months later, when you're sitting around with friends, you're like, okay, I have a good story now. (laughs) Yes. But what is your favorite camp song? Favorite camp song for me is Tarzan. Makes no coherent sense. It's a repeat after me song where you talk about Tarzan gets his tan, Jane gets in a car crash and has a pain in her back, and their pet cheetah ends up wanting to eat pizza. But it's a repeat after me song. There are emotions with it. And it is the one that the kids 
scream and make obnoxious noises and that kind of is the tone setter that when parents pick up their kids they kind of hear this ridiculous song and their kids being goofy and completely like buying into it that kind of sets the tone of camp so I love that repeat after me song now I know two different Tarzan songs (laughs) it's just the one that goes like um, Tarzan has a tan but I hope it doesn't peel yes that's the exact one Oh wait, has it has another one of your guests done the Tarzan song before? No, you would be the first. <laughs> okay. So would you do the repeat after me part then? Absolutely. Okay. Are you ready? I'm so ready. All you gotta do is repeat after me. All you gotta do is repeat after me. Tarzan. Tarzan. Was swinging on a rubber band. Swinging on a rubber band. Tarzan. Tarzan. He slipped into a frying pan. He slipped into a frying pan. Ooh, that's bad. Ooh, that's bad. Now Tarzan has a tan. Now Tarzan has a tan. And I hope it doesn't peel. And I hope it doesn't peel. Like a banana. Like a banana. There you go. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. You could teach music. You got a great voice. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> That's half yep. my job. I, I teach camp songs mostly. Oh. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. That was awesome. What is your favorite camp meal? Camp meal is we do, um, I guess so it changes every year, just depending on what's cheap protein wise or whatnot. But we usually have a like pork chop night. So I guess it's a grief counseling camp. Most of the camp is comfort food. The kids have swam in the morning, talked about their dead mom and are now eating lunch. We want to make sure that they have something that they're going to like and is comfortable. So it's mac and cheese with a vegetable and like chicken fingers or spaghetti and meatballs or something like that. But we do one night usually that is more like a, pork chops with like a salad or something and the counselors are all dying for it like oh my gosh it's not like something a little bit more substantial and to watch the kids pick through their plate and barely eat any of it and the counselors all go for seconds and thirds is hilarious oh that's awesome i know you talked a little bit about your traditions before but what is your favorite camp tradition favorite one that i do as a director is making bets with camp with campers so typically, and it'll be just maybe just the director and the kids, and we'll do either flashlight tag or something outside with like glow bracelets, do a story before they go to bed and just kind of have that like you get a little bit of an extra privilege staying up later, doing a, another fun activity, lets the counselors have a little bit of time that they can decompress. And it makes me feel like a camp counselor again. You probably know, especially in a director role, a lot of it is putting out fires. A lot of it is you're dealing with some of the problems that come up. So just to kind of build in that tradition, especially with the cabins that I have a closer relationship with that, like we're going to have that one kind of splurge night is always really fun for me. That's awesome. Oh, and that's great that you are able to even give your staff like nights off and everything too. That's, Mm -hmm. that's very good for mental health and everything who should i interview next that's within either your camp community or that you know that's in the camp community in the camp community two others that i know about okay i don't know anybody specific but it's just i know they exist 
I know down in the Ozarks, there is a camp specifically for individuals who are going through recovery from burns. Um, so like a burn survivor camp, um, where a lot of times there are people who are very self-conscious of some of the treatment they're going through, some of the way their physical appearance is now, where they kind of have like a guilt-free camp where everyone can feel comfortable swimming because everyone is going through something similar. So that kind of camp for people who are going through treatment or survivors of burns, as I know one that does exist down in the Ozarks. Other one that I think is really cool is I know there's a lot of camps for adult programming for individuals with either physical mobility impairments or cognitive impairments, but there are it's specifically designed for adults to go to as well in the St. Louis area. Camp is something that exists for adults too, or that's a great environment for anybody going through recovery as well. That those would be two that I, that I know exist and I think are pretty cool that when you're looking to kind of put more abnormal camps or diversify your guests a little bit, I think those would be pretty cool to put in. Wow. Yeah, no, I hadn't heard of either one of those facilities. So thank you so mm -hmm. much for sharing that. Are you guys currently accepting volunteers? Are you needing people for this summer? If so, what's a great way to get involved either with you or with your organization? Yeah, we do probably around February. We accept applications well earlier, but start reviewing applications February all through usually the start of May. In a perfect world, we always like to have everyone volunteering kind of set at least a month and a half-ish before camp starts, but we know that always doesn't happen. But if you are interested in, anybody's interested in volunteering and being a part of camp or learning more about it, Annie's Hope Center for Grief and Bereavement is the organization that runs camp and kind of coordinates everything. So if you would go to Annie's Hope's webpage, there's a big tab that says summer camp, and then you have the camper application and the counselor application all there. Camp does one run for two weeks. I would say only about a quarter of our volunteers end up doing both weeks. Just having two weeks off in the summer is hard. We get it, especially having a week. A lot of people might be a little bit intimidated working with teens um, in that setting, but it's not bad at all. But a lot of our uh, counselors only come for one week and that is completely fine too. You can sign up for one or both weeks. We look for counselors. Most of them are counselors with the kids, but we also look for usually a nurse or two a year to be on staff just to help out because we have a lot of kids with medication and stuff like that. So we have a full-time camp nurse that we accept applications for. Um, but all of that's on the Annie's Hope website. Wow. Oh, that's so good to know that people can just sign up for a week as well. I know a lot mm -hmm. more residential facilities are moving towards that way too, just with how busy everybody is. And that's wonderful that you guys offer that as well. Mm -hmm. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your experiences and your time. No problem. All right, Camp Kids, that was Michael. Make sure to check out the link in the show notes if you are interested in volunteering this summer with Annie's Hope or Camp Courage this summer. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We've got to keep this Camp Kids community growing by spreading it to other people who are a part of the camp community. Next week, we'll have another interview with a fellow Girl Scout friend who has also ventured down to the Philmont Scout Ranch. That's all that I have for you guys now, but remember that this is good night and not goodbye.